from last year? June was the last time we looked at one of these. June 2015. A series which I was doing like once every half term on discipleship. And the disciplines of grace, or the means of grace, the things we do personally and together by which God helps us to grow in his grace. We did scripture in June, that was the fourth in the series. Giving, which is number five, got wrapped up into our partnership series in the autumn. And uh, we're going to come back to partnership in two weeks' time. Jack's preaching next Sunday because I want this week to concentrate on uh, looking at tidying some things up about partnership and planning some things for the year. So Jack's going to preach next Sunday so I, I can think about kind of broader leadership issues and then come back to preparing for preaching the week after that. Today I want to pick up on another major discipline of grace. It is fasting. Full title, fasting, watching, and self-denial. Now you're already thrilled about that, aren't you? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, as we examine scripture, think through the teaching particularly of our Lord Jesus today. Would you please, as Josh was saying, put us in the picture, put us in the scripture. We see that this is written to us from a loving Father for our good. Convince us of that today, we pray, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, why do that subject today? Well, why not? Let's not not joke, we could all do with it after Christmas, all right? Now, really, at the start of a new year, I'm not, in, I'm not wanting to make any resolutions as such, but each of us needs to make some assessment and make some choices. And the choice really is this, do I want it to be the same as last year? Do I want to be the same as I was last year? Do I want life to be the same as last year? Or are we eager for more this year? You know, I don't mean more money, but more of God's presence and of his power at work. We want to be more pleasing to our Father and our Master. So here's the simplest way to describe fasting. Hungry for God. Being hungry for God. I'm going to read to you from the teaching of the Lord Jesus, from Matthew 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them, doing righteous things. Yes? Otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so they may be honoured by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you pray, this is number two of these three acts of right or disciplines of righteousness. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, 
close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you are praying, don't use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do. You know, you know what those meaningless repetitions are? Saying the Lord's Prayer just over and over and over. Or for Catholics, you know, Ave Maria. It's just repetition. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. And Jesus gives us a pattern prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, you know, what's the modern day equivalent of that, you know, brush and scrub up, a little bit of makeup ladies maybe, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I want you to notice something. Jesus does not say, if you give, if you pray, if you fast. He says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. He's instructing these things to us, but telling us how to go about them. And not be like the Pharisees and the hypocrites who do things so people will notice that you're doing them. They have their reward. Nothing from heaven, they've already got it. He says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. These are three disciplines of righteous living, of doing right things that the Lord Jesus himself teaches to us. And I present them to you as part of these disciplines and means of grace. They're what disciples do because we are disciples. We do what Jesus teaches us. We follow and obey our Master, Jesus. So today, we're dealing with fasting, watching, and self-denial, but chiefly fasting. Fasting is a specific kind of self-denial, and if we will not practice self-denial, we cannot be one of Jesus' disciples. Three times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, you find these words of Jesus. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He must deny himself. We live in a generation who don't know how to deny themselves anything. They want it all 
And they want it now. It starts with children who are indulged and spoiled by their parents who, even if they hear no or wait, it isn't really meant and followed through. We are a self-centred, self-indulgent, thoroughly spoiled generation. We seem to think that any restriction or limitation on our appetites or desires or wishes is a breach of our human rights. What the Lord Jesus calls us to, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me, cuts through modern cultures, culture like a Star Wars lightsaber. That's my cultural reference for today, okay? Remember, we've learnt it last year in one job. We are not of this world. And because we love the Father, we don't love the world or the things that are in the world. Self-denial is an essential part of Christian life and faith. To accept personal disciplines, to go without something, to choose against something, is an essential part of Christian life and faith. Fasting is a central part in fact, it's like, it's like a, a key in a door to unlock learning and practicing a whole lifestyle of self-denial. Fasting is found throughout the whole of the biblical record. Let me just give you these as a list. Moses fasted. David fasted. Daniel fasted. Nehemiah fasted. Esther became the queen of Persia. Fasted. Ezra fasted. Anna, the Prophetess who was there when Jesus was brought into the temple as an eight-year-old boy. Fasted. Jesus fasted. Did he not? Do you remember that? The temptation in the wilderness? After he'd fasted 40 days, then he was hungry. An extraordinary thing. Jesus fasted. His disciples fasted, but not while he was with them. When there were disciples... Jesus was challenged that his disciples didn't fast, but John the Baptist's disciples did. Jesus gave this answer... Listen to it. The attendants of the bridegroom can't mourn as long as the bridegroom's with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Let me paraphrase that for you. Okay, they're not fasting because I'm still with them. But when I go from them, then they'll fast. They didn't need to seek Jesus. He was right there. But when he's no longer there in person, his presence is no longer literally there, they will need to seek him. That's one of the paradoxes of scripture, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is with us, God lives in us, if we're a believer, God lives in us, and yet we still need to seek the Lord. If you try to rub one out against the other, don't do that, because that's one of the things you need to hold both onto. You need to hold to both things. God is with you, never deserts you, but you still need to seek the Lord. The Pharisees fasted regularly on the second and fifth day of every week. That's a Monday and a Thursday. I'm not saying you need to do that. You could have Tuesday and Friday. Um, (laughs) Jesus didn't challenge that as a discipline, but told them that in their fasting they were neglecting the weightier matters of the law. They They cared about their religiousness, but not about things that mattered like justice and mercy and faithfulness. 
in the book of Acts, Cornelius was fasting and praying when the Lord directed Peter to go and bring the gospel to him. In Acts 13, the leaders at Antioch, including Barnabas and Saul, were ministering to the Lord and fasting. I believe they were giving at least a day, maybe more than a day, together to do that. And in that time of prayer and fasting, the Lord spoke prophetically to them, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them to. So, guess what? They had another time of prayer and fasting before they laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them out into the Gentile world to go and preach the gospel and plant churches. When Barnabas and Saul went around planting churches, guess how they appointed elders in every church? With what? With prayer and fasting. You see, I read Genesis 3 this morning, the fall in the Garden of Eden. I didn't write these notes after reading that, but it does inform my thinking this morning. Right back in Genesis 3, there's an important lesson there. There was one thing in the Garden of Eden they weren't supposed to eat. One command, one restriction from God. One obedience of faith issue. And they fell at it. And the lesson that draws on from there, for every one of us, is this. We must master our appetites, or they will master us. What, did, what would they see in the fruit? It was Eve who saw the fruit was good for food. It was good to the eyes. And it was desirable to make you wise. Those are the three things that I preached about last year, which are the three principles of the things that are in the world. Appetite, avarice and ambition. This is good for me, for my appetite. This is good to look at and admire. The lust of the eyes. And this will make me somebody. Ambition. Any undisciplined human appetite can lead us to death. Sex, drink, food, pleasure. Search the scriptures, you'll find God's wisdom in these things. We must master our human appetites or they will master us and hasten our death. Do you know that overeating is a work of the flesh? It has a name. It's gluttony. And in the Bible, it's usually ranks and mentioned alongside drunkenness. Gluttony. Overeating. How many of you think overeating is good for you? We know it's not. Is, is it likely to bring on your, an earlier death? Yes. We must master appetites so they will master us. There are two biblical definitions about Fasting. I'll mention watching as well. Fasting is to deny food to oneself for a period of time and to focus in that time on seeking God. Deny food for a period and to focus on seeking God. Watching is to deny sleep to oneself for a period of time and to focus that time. Unseeking God. Watching is referred to in the Bible, but nowhere near as much as fasting. Let me mention what Jesus said about watching. Gethsemane. He came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. To watch was to stay awake in the night. 
Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There are people who watch in Harlow every Friday night. There are people who go out on the streets to serve in the name of Christ as street pastors. And there are others who pray while those people are on the streets. And they stay up to pray. Watching is to forsake some sleep so you may pray and seek God. That's what watching is. Staying up and finishing watching the movie is not watching. Seeing the new year in is not watching. Spending the time seeking God is watching. For the rest of the time, many of us stay up when we should be in bed. We don't get enough sleep. We need to go to bed earlier and to be, be kinder to our bodies. The Apostle Paul says twice in the scriptures, that he was often in fastings and watchings. Double plural. He often was in fastings and watchings. There are other forms of self-denial that can be chosen and used, but these two, fasting and watching, are specifically mentioned in scripture. And fasting is one of those three disciplines of grace that Jesus himself teaches us. It's a discipline and means of grace. I want to tell tell two things that fasting isn't. Fasting is not any and every kind of self-control or some issue of self-denial. It's specific. It's about food. It's about a period of time. People today choose to cut out a kind of food or to cut out alcohol for a period or to not watch watch TV for Lent or to stop using social media for a time. And they call it fasting. I'm going to fast from this and fast from that. Now those may be worthwhile exercises of self-control and self-denial and they might actually do some good. But to speak of fasting from chocolate or Facebook is to demean the word. Go ahead and give up TV for a time. Or alcohol or chocolate. Or even for good. It will probably do some good but it will not be fasting. That is not the scriptural meaning. I'm going to give you a few quotes today because they say things better than I can say Fasting in the biblical sense is choosing not to partake of food because your spiritual hunger is so deep, your determination and intercession is so intense, or your spiritual warfare so demanding that you've temporarily set aside even fleshly needs to give yourself to prayer and meditation. That's a very thorough definition of fasting. By the way, there are notes outside of this morning Uh, There are CDs of the last couple of weeks as well, and we've had some very excellent preaching in the last few weeks. Uh, Jack on the 20th, David Sodom on on Christmas morning the 25th. If if I mention myself in the same breath, I'm... Last week I preached here as well on on, uh, how to use the names of Jesus to grow in faith. And so there are CDs of those out there. Please help yourself. In recent decades, the whole subject of fasting has got watered down, dumbed down, by a lot of the church. And we like that. Oh, you've made it easier. Oh, thank you so much. But you know what we've got now? Weaker, softer, compromised Christians. When you dumb it down, you end up dumb. Yeah? Number two, on what it isn't, fasting is not dieting or weight control. 
The way to lose weight is to eat a balanced diet, to eat sensible-sized meals, cut out all overeating and snacking, and to exercise regularly. All right? Is that plain sense? Yeah, sure. If you do that, you train your body to burn fat rather than just store fat. So put out of your mind the idea you can use fasting, in this biblical sense, to lose weight. It's a wrong idea and a false motive. However, fasting does have health benefits. It gives your digestive system a break, clears your body of toxins, it triggers your body to burn rather than store fat. And some research has shown that a three-day fast helps even to renew your immune system. And you're going to run away and find the article on that, aren't you? But that is not why a Christian fasts. It's a helpful byproduct. It's part of God's design, that it is for your good, in fact. But that's not the purpose. Fasting is being hungry for God. So here's some reasons to fast. We fast to deny ourselves and to take control over our appetites. Personal discipline and self-denial is good for us. Fasting is how we get to grips with self-denial. Through fasting, the inner man, the soul or the person, the will, masters the body because the body screams at you, I want, I want, I want, and you go, no! Shut up! The inner man conquers this physical being. If we learn to master our appetite for food, we're better equipped to deal with our other appetites and cravings. And guess what? Your flesh, your physical being, will not want to fast. How many of you know that's true? It'll make every excuse under the sun. Oh, you know, you haven't been so well lately, you know... That's the point. By fasting, we engage in real struggle and self-denial. Here's a quote from D.L. Moody. If you say, I'll fast when God lays it on my heart, you never will. You are too cold and indifferent to take the yoke upon you. By the way, no Christians say, well, it's my body and I'll do what I want with it. The biblical answer is, no, it ain't. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You have been bought with a price. What's the price? The precious blood of Christ. Therefore glorify God in your body. That includes eating well, getting the sleep you should get, getting the exercise you should get, and eating as much food as you should eat, and no more than you should eat. Glorifying God in your body. We fast to gain control over appetites. Secondly, we fast to hunger for God. We fast because the bridegroom has gone away. We long for his return, but right now we need at times to really seek him. Let me give you those definitions again. Fasting is to deny food to oneself for a period of time to focus that time or during that time on seeking God. You can't spend all of that time, but during that time you're focused on seeking God. 
Watching is to deny sleep to yourself for a period of time. It may be to stay up late one night. It may be to get up one, some mornings. So you spend that time seeking God. That's watching. And fasting is all about being hungry for God. We fast because we are hungry for God or we fast so that we will be hungry for God. We come to him and say, I'm not hungry enough for you, Lord. So why don't I switch on some hunger in my body so I know that this is what I'm doing. The great Shema of Deuteronomy tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our might. That's your physical strength. Fasting engages our whole being in seeking and loving the Lord. We heard this one of the Psalms earlier. It's interesting how so much of what I've wrote fits in with what people have said today, including something that Colin prayed earlier. Psalms like this, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. I will seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, and my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now that is, that is an inner man thing. You hunger and thirst with your will, with your soul, with your mind. But what about turning that into a physical thing too? You decide you will hunger, physically, literally, for righteousness. So that you may receive his promise and be filled. We fast so that his kingdom is increased, his name is honoured, his will is done. We fast so that God will win and reign over us and in us and through us. People talk of some nonsense about fasting, especially if you listen to the kind of New Age people and the kind of Eastern religion people, they talk about fasting being empowering. Well, I don't find it like that. Here's my take on it, and I think it's the biblical one. Fasting does not empower us, it humbles us. We seek God through weakness. And when we come to an end of ourselves, we start to rely on the resources of God. Isaiah 58 is often quoted on the subject of fasting. I think it's often misunderstood and misquoted and misused. The message of the Lord there is not do justice and you can stop fasting. It's that fasting is part of a lifestyle of seeking God's kingdom and justice and mercy. And you can't fast and do the religious thing and be unjust to people. That's hypocrisy. That's the issue that's being raised there in uh, Isaiah. And it's the issue that Jesus took up with the Pharisees. You people, you pray, you fast, but you, you rip people off. You rip people's wages off them. You're unjust, you're unfair, you're abusive to people. So what good is your fasting if you won't do justice? Jesus is applying Isaiah 58 directly to the Pharisees there. But let me pick up one verse from that, because I think that it has an implication as well for the way some people try to approach fasting. Isaiah 58 verse 4, Behold, you fast for contention and strife, and, and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Sadly, that's how some people approach fasting. They think it's doing violence to God. It's like turning up the volume so we're really shouting at him now in our praying. Because I'm fasting too. I think I even said something like years ago when I was younger. Sorry. I like this quote. A fast is not a hunger strike. 
You're not shaking your fist at God. Fasting submits to God's commands. A hunger strike makes God submit to our demands. You're not trying to change the heart of God. He's good enough. More than good enough. So fasting does not, it's not shaking your fist at God and storming heaven and breaking down. What are you, what are you talking about storming heaven? God's fighting you? You're fighting him? What are you talking about? Fasting submits to God in weakness, in humility. Next one, we fast to pray. We fast so that we may pray. We observe that in the scriptures, fasting almost always is linked with prayer. Without prayer, fasting is not complete fasting, it's simply going hungry. How many of you like just to go hungry for no reason? No. Fasting is being hungry for a reason because you are focusing your hunger on God. Few of us could actually clear a whole day to spending waiting on and seeking God. We have jobs to do, we have families to raise and so on. So here's the thing. Just use the time in a day you would have spent preparing and eating and clearing up your meal and spend that time seeking God. Fasting is focusing hunger and redirecting time because your focus is on God. We fast to humble and weaken ourselves and become more dependent upon God's grace and wisdom and power. It's a deliberate choice and action. I humble and weaken myself to seek God. I act out my dependence and reliance on Him. We fast to overcome temptation and sin. Remember Jesus said, keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Keep watching and praying. Well, that applies to fasting too. Keep fasting and praying. Why? Because the spirit is willing in a being, but the flesh is weak. Since flesh is weak to deal with temptation, it so easily gives in. Here's the thing. You think about this for a minute, thinking about Hebrews. Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tested way beyond anybody's breaking point, anything you can imagine. You know the bit bit where you'd give in? Jesus was tested way beyond there and never sinned. We are so weak. We present our weakness before God through fasting and watching and prayer. We present our weakness. That's logical, isn't it? No, it isn't. A lot of the Christian faith really isn't about logical. It's about divine wisdom. If you're weak, what's the best thing to do? Make yourself weak, present yourself weak before God and say, Father, I rely entirely on your help here to give me grace. Stay weak, but rely on him. Remember what the lesson that Paul learned? I don't need to be strong because I'm weak, then he's strong. His strength is made perfect in weakness. I don't need to be strong. I need to know I'm weak, but relying on him. We fast to seek God's direction and deliverance. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what what to do. We're in a crisis. We're in in trouble. So we, 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 we fast to seek God's deliverance and direction. 
It can be personally, it can also be in times of crisis. In times of crisis, a whole nation may be called to a day of prayer and fasting. There are some Old Testament examples of that. But King George VI, the Queen's father, acting under the advice of Prime Minister Winston Churchill, called the nation in the early part of the war to a national, this was the title of it, a national day of prayer for repentance and petition for deliverance. Wow. Why haven't we had a day since then? Because we haven't had a decent Prime Minister since then. Because it was the Prime Minister who asked the King to do it. How do you fast? Three things. First of all, a complete fast. Eating and drinking nothing for a day. Maybe a little more. But in any case, no one should ever go without drink without water for more than three days because dehydration will wreck your body. It will do you great harm. Lack of water does you far more harm and far more quickly than lack of food. So a complete fast of food and water, I would say one day only, if you're going to do that. Certainly never go into day three without drinking water. That's a complete fast. There's a couple of issues where that Esther asked the Jews in uh, the Susa, the capital of Persia, to join her in a complete fast for a day before she went in to speak to the king. The normal fast, sorry, let's go back. Normal fast. The normal fast is not eating but drinking for a day or more. Going without food. Yes, I said without food. But keep your fluids up. In fact, drink more because it will help to flush your system. Normal fast. And then a partial fast, which is a reduced diet over a longer period of time. The example of that is Daniel, personal one. Daniel 10, he says, In those days I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. And during those three weeks, he's saying, he did not eat meat, he did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use ointment at all, until the entire three weeks were completed. That was a prolonged, partial fast, self-denial, self-humbling over a period of time. Becoming a vegetarian is a choice of lifestyle. It's not fasting. Or taking a break from eating meat once or twice a week. That isn't fasting. But to to choose to discipline, to to self-deny, and to seek God as he was there with with, with humbling himself with prayer. That is fasting. In Daniel 1, by the way, when he and his friends ate only vegetables to avoid eating the meat and delicacies of the king's table, that is nowhere described as a fast. That, in fact, they thrived and did well, in fact, and that became their lifestyle diet. Okay? That's not an example of a fast. Daniel, when he said, I chose to eat only vegetables and to humble myself and to not anoint my head with all, he, he accepted a discipline himself. Now, why did he choose a t- partial fast? Because he was a, probably a busy man still. And he couldn't have gone three weeks entirely without food and kept up the, the, the routine of his work. So he chose a partial fast for that reason. Another how or when do you fast? For a day, maybe 24 hours, generally from evening meal to evening meal. So you eat your normal supper, and you don't eat again until supper time next day. And then you sit down to a normal supper. You don't try. 
Two days, 48 hours continuous. Three days, 72 hours continuous. Longer. I personally know people who've fasted for weeks, some for 40 days, as Moses and Jesus did. I would suggest you can't fast for six, seven weeks, except something beyond nature is happening. Because people who do it without pursuing God die in that time. So if Christians fast really totally without food for six, seven weeks, the fact is God's sustaining them beyond nature. All right? And so I'm not, I'm not asking to, to, to sign up for a three-week or a six-week fast. Probably the worst way to fast is the way that the, the, they do for Ramadan, the Muslims do for Ramadan. It's probably the worst way physically and medically. So you don't eat, and in fact they don't drink either, all day, and then in, as soon as it's sundown, they feast. Bring it on! You know, it's, it's like, they, you know, they ram it in. Now, do you know what your body does if you do that? It says, hey, I'm going hungry a lot of the time, so let's, let's, let's fatten up here. Let's put it on, quick. Let's, let's build, well, I don't know when the next meal's coming, so body, get busy. And it stores fat. If you're only feasting, if you're feasting and once a day and fasting the rest of the time, your body will go into fat storage mode. Medically, that's the fact. It's much better to fast either for one or two, two, one, two or three days right through or to fast as the Pharisee did one day in a week and then another day in a week. It's much better for you medically, physically to do that. It's actually kinder to your body, wiser for your being. Intermittent but regular fasting is the best for your physical health. And please don't tank up beforehand. I need a big meal tonight because I'm fasting tomorrow. Oh, come on. What's for supper? Oh good, because I've been fasting all day. Let's make it a big one. Here's my answer to that. Don't bother. Please, don't bother. If, if that's how you think about fasting, it's going to profit you nothing. You're not really choosing to deny yourself at all. Let me say again. If fasting is not part of seeking God in humility and in self-denial, expressing and focusing your hunger for God through physical hunger, then you're only dieting and you're doing it badly. Fasting without prayer is just going hungry, not hungry for God. Let me mention a couple of medical and practical issues. Some people perhaps can't fast, at least not as total abstinence from food for a day or more. If you have diabetes, for instance, or or are pregnant, perhaps. But if you're interested, I did some research, you can find helpful articles online how to adapt fasting to your medical condition. They'll often be referring more to Muslim Ramadan or to Jewish fasting than to Christian fasting. You'll have to get past that prejudice and read the article. So you can search for fasting and diabetes or fasting and pregnancy and you can find out more. Now just because I or the adults in a household are fasting doesn't mean we make the kids fast. It's unfair. They didn't make the choice, we did. So children probably need to be fed even if adults have agreed to fast that day. Fasting is a self-denial. And they're not choosing it, you're making them do it. And it's not good. Don't force it on others. Please, if you fast, drink water. You need to stay hydrated. We are not Muslims, we're not doing Ramadan. You, you drink water, and more water. It'll be good for you. 
Uh, let me give you a couple more tips. If you use sugary drinks, you know, you pile in the sugar into your tea or whatever, you'll probably increase your hunger, even especially if you go into a second and third day of fasting. You'll be more hungry because you're having the sugary drink, which is giving you a sugar boost and then you start being hungry once that's faded. For your own health, cut out the sugary drinks and just drink water with a bit of lime in it maybe or a little bit of very diluted fruit juice, but not the sugary kind. Because if you put, sugar is food. Sweetness is food. And if you put food in your system, it's going to want more food. You'll provoke your hunger with sugary sweet drinks. And then one more medical thing as well. If you plan to fast entirely from food for some days together, more than a day, more into two or three days or more, I'm going to suggest this to you. Please consider giving up tea or coffee before you start the fast. Get off tea and coffee for a couple of days before you start to fast. Because drinking those, particularly anything with a lot of caffeine in it, on an increasingly empty stomach will almost certainly cause you an upset tummy and headaches. I can't give you every practical guideline. If you're keen to know more, ask me or search it out for yourself. But lastly here, know yourself. Many of us, if we did have a day of fasting or two days of fasting, or two days in, separately in a week... We still have to get on with life. There's still a job to be done. There's still work to be completed. There's still a family to raise. And if in fasting you find that your capacity to do what you need to do is getting really hindered, then you need to stop and you need to eat and you need to come back another time and and give it another go. Know yourself. If physical weakness is keeping you from fulfilling your responsibilities, your responsibilities don't go away. You need to stop and you need to deal with them. But if the battle is only with your will to deny yourself, then if you stop and eat, guess what? Another time you're going to come back and you have the same battle again. And you'll keep hitting that wall until you break that wall. The battle of actually, really breaking through, denying yourself. The conclusion really comes from Jesus' words in Matthew 6. Be normal, don't advertise. When you fast, be normal. Don't go around, I'm a little weak today, I'm fasting, you know. (laughs) The answer to that is, oh, shut up. I love the put-down that the Lord Jesus gives, don't you? Three times. You've got your reward. You want people to notice you? Go ahead, you're noticed. Do it in secret. Hunger before God. And he will reward you. Go about normally. What is the reward? You find him. You hear his voice perhaps. You get some revelation from him. You see his hand at work. You find his strength and wisdom. You delight to see his name being honoured and his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. You tune up to him and you you feel a sense of being more, more connected to him. I wonder what would drive us to prayer and fasting. How hungry or desperate am I? What do I want in 2016? James wrote, you do not have because you do not ask. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And there's something in fasting that is that seeking. It's a persistent thing. It's an urgent thing. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. One last quote 
Fasting from Andrew Murray, one of your friends. Fasting helps express, deepens, confirms the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. So here's the challenge for us all. Start of 2016. Pick a day. Pick a day ahead. Don't don't think I'll do this Monday. No, 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 no. Plan, prepare. When you get up that day, you're not going to eat breakfast and you're not going to eat lunch. And you're not going to pick at any snacks. And you're not going to put loads of sugar in your drinks. Because it won't do you any favours. By lunchtime, I promise you, you'll feel hungry. I can promise you that. But when you do, use the hunger. And the time you would have spent going into the kitchen and making lunch, or going to the sandwich bar, or going out to, the, to, to Greg's Bakers, or whatever it is, use that time to go away somewhere, away from others. It may not be a closed door thing, you can walk in the park. I've, I told you the trick before, haven't I? You put an earpiece in, as if you're listening to music or talking on your phone, and you can talk to God and no one knows who you're talking to. You can pray in the open air so long as you've got an earpiece in. One of those, one, you know, one of those, one of those old uh, Wi-Fi th- Bluetooth things, whatever. You know, get one of those out the drawer you haven't used for years and walk around the park talking to the Lord. They won't have a clue what you do. And as you're walking around with your Bluetooth earpiece in, walking around the park during your lunch hour, which isn't lunch today, you say something like this: "Lord, I'm hungry." But I'm choosing today to be hungry for this reason. Because I'm saying to you that I need you more than I need food and air. And I'm hungry to know you more. When it's time for your evening meal that day, you will be grateful. You will give thanks the way you don't usually give thanks for that meal. And you can end your day and you can go to bed that night and you're allowed to say this as you go to bed that night. I did it. I fasted for 24 hours. But now I can learn to use this discipline and grow in this means of grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Then pick another day. And perhaps that time give yourself a specific purpose. I'm going to seek the Lord about this. I'm going to seek him for this today. My prayer is going to be about this thing. And then keep on doing it. Prayer, giving and fasting are disciplines and means of grace taught to us by our master, the Lord Jesus. They are for our good. Let me come back to Genesis 3. Got to finish now. You can eat of every tree. Every plant that has seed, that gives seed, and every tree that produces seed, you can eat all of those. Don't eat of that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of that, it will, you'll die. Eve saw that the, t- food was, the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable because it would make you wise. And she took and ate. Was God's command good? Yes. But the lie was from the serpent God's not good, he's keeping something from you. And here's the thing I feel I need to say this. For some of us right here this morning, we are even right now still being deceived because we think this if I give, as the Bible teaches me, 
I'm going to lose out. It won't be for my good. If I fast, as David's been teaching, and hopefully I've been teaching what Jesus says, it can't be good for me. That's a lie. It's a deception. God teaches these things to us for our good. Can you believe that? Even these disciplines of grace do us good. I mentioned some of the medical benefits that they found out about fasting. Those are just byproducts. They are for our good. So when we obey the Lord, it always works for our good. And anyone who says otherwise is of the devil. So right now, maybe one or two of us here today need to take on this battle in our minds. It is for my good. It is for my good. And tell the lie where to go. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Colin's going to lead us in breaking bread. But, oh, all our musicians are here. We don't need to warn anybody. Dare to be a disciple. Going to come to breaking bread in a minute. Lord Jesus, it's out of your words that we understand some things about the disciplines of life for us as people of faith. You ask us to give ourselves to giving, to handle money well, wisely, to treat it as, a de- as an imposter, as a deceiving thing, as an unclean thing. Be careful, wise, how we handle it. Certainly be generous in giving. You tell us, talk to us about prayer, and we're not to pray like pagans and people who don't know who they're talking to and they just rub it on but to pray to you in an ordered and a structured way that pursues certain goals and you taught us about fasting you tell us to do it as a secret thing to use our hunger as a hunger for God and you tell us all of these things for our benefit you intend them for our good and our well-being So we want to receive right now with meekness your words, your teaching, Lord Jesus. Not shovel it out to someone else that they need it more than I do. Right now I receive your word, Lord. That it may bear fruit and do good to me. Amen. Amen. Where's Colin?